We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke, the Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke, we're in a group chat together, LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free entry today. It is Monday, November 9th, the year 2015, week nine in the NFL, almost complete. Just one more game, Bears Chargers. Kind of an odd Monday night matchup uh, tonight, but should still be an entertaining game nonetheless. Nick Whalen here with Derek Van Riper, as we always are on Mondays, to break down 
all of the games. We had six teams on bye this week, so just 13 games uh, in one of the what's going to be one of the shorter weeks of the season. We're almost through with the bye weeks, thankfully, uh, and then we can get back to, to all 32 teams playing each week. But uh, Cardinals, Ravens, Lions, Texans, Chiefs, and Seahawks all off this week. We'll talk about all the rest of the games. First, though, Derek, you just got back very late last night, I understand, from the Arizona Fall League down in Scottsdale. Yeah, so uh, every year I go out to the Fall League, probably six, seven years now, and uh, for, for baseball fans, it's one of the best experiences you can get. You're going to find players out there who were in the big leagues uh, next season or the year after. In many cases, a few seasons ago, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper were on the same Fall League team, for example. Current crop uh, players wasn't quite at that level, but always a good trip. Crowd uh, is about 400, 500 people max per game, the exception being the Fall Stars game, which they actually do broadcast and it will be network. Uh, but just a great experience. If you're a fan of baseball, even casually, and just want to watch something in the off season, well worth going. Weather, of course, this time of year, pretty nice in Phoenix compared to where it is in most places. So is this like the, the equivalent of like the NBA Summer League, kind of like a, a meetup for you know writers, scouts, you know, it's kind of a way to network as well as get a look at some prospects? Yeah, definitely. And there's a conference that overlaps with, I think actually Sabre has a conference out there too, but the conference we go to is a fantasy baseball conference that uh, baseball HQ has been running for 21 years now. Oh wow, uh, kind of amazing! And I, I think a lot of the same guys go every year. They've got some some attendees that have been going since it started uh, over the last handful of years. I, I see mostly probably, probably half to two thirds of the crowd is the same guys that go year in and year out because it's it's, it's the start of fantasy baseball season. A lot of the, a lot of these people are also fans of football, so it happens on Sunday as the conference ends. There's no fall league games on Sunday. People get together and watch football together and then head back home. Uh, but yeah, man, the, the travel options sometimes just stink. It's one of the things about living in Wisconsin that's I, one of the drawbacks is that when you fly anywhere, you can fly to Madison and you can go about eight to ten places directly. Uh, but many of the places we go frequently, and we go to Vegas a lot as a company and, and, and we go to Phoenix, uh, no direct flights. So you have to go through Minneapolis, you have to go through Chicago. And I hate that. I always hate that because... Your chances of missing your flight because of having to connect go up exponentially. Like I have run through airports in dress clothes before to make flights, and I that's just miserable. Like to, to have a carry on in one hand and your laptop bag in the other, and to like run from terminal F to terminal E sucks. Like it, 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 sometimes it's more than one terminal. It's like the most miserable experience ever. But that aside, the, the, this is the reason why we're recording late today. I got home at 3.30 yesterday, or I got to bed at 3.30, I got home at about 3, because uh, Clay and James and I had to drive back from Milwaukee. Our flight got in at 1, had to grab our bags off the thing, <laughs> get in the car, drive back. It was just, it was a that's, long That's what James day. and I had to do the same thing coming back from Vegas over the summer, too. Like we, I mean, I don't even know what time we got in, probably 1 or 2 a.m. local time, and, you know, as if that wasn't exhausting enough, then you got to make the drive all the way back to Madison from Chicago. Yeah, I mean, in, in, at least this time we were driving from Milwaukee, but our options to leave yesterday for direct flights, and I like Southwest, it's a good airline, it's not a paid endorsement. We could leave it. Certainly not. They're, 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 not, they're definitely they are not, not paying for this podcast. They don't care about our podcast. We're talking like 540 in the morning for a direct flight. I almost stayed awake until 540, but I would have missed the last day of the conference. So I didn't want to leave that early. And plus, I was in no shape to operate a vehicle at 340 in the morning uh, Sunday. So it was 540 a.m. to fly back or it was 850 p.m. And naturally, I thought, well, we'll, t- we'll take the 850. And at the time, it seemed like a good idea. And then yesterday, all day, you know, we went to a couple places. We watched some games. 
Uh, we were at this uh, place, I think it was called Jim's Public House in Old Scottsdale. They had hams. They had cans of hams for $2, which... James sent me a Snapchat, like, pretty late on Thursday night, but like, 1.30 a.m. of, like, just multiple, like, hams, uh, what do you call it, like, neon bar signs yeah. and everything. Like, I had no idea that hams had made its way that far southwest. Well, see, this is the cool thing about Phoenix. It's a place that has plenty of, of positives and negatives, but a, a place that I generally like more than I dislike. Because so many people from all over the country retire there, they have a little bit of everything from everywhere. So they, they've got... Uh, chain restaurants from all over the country, right? So if you're a Whataburger person or if you're a Culver's person or if you're an In-N-Out person, they have all of those. Like they don't have just like the regional limitations that many places have because there's a demand for all of those things there. And it's the same thing with, with beer. I mean, like there's they, this, this place, this Jim's place we went to, the food was actually really cheap. It was a new place in a cool area and they had all the games on that we wanted. It wasn't that crowded. So it was a great fit. They had hams. They had old style. They had all they had like the, that class, like all that yeah, class the, of beers. The big those, two, yeah, yeah, the big two. Like they had all those, like those those Midwest beers that that people are looking for. And uh, it was great, great place. But it was a long day. Uh, we had to pass some time at the Yard House over in Scottsdale. Always like the Yard House. They always have a hundred plus beers on tap. No hams there, unfortunately. Uh, that can be right. Which I, I mean, I don't think you'd want to go there just on on those grounds alone. Um, but I. I had a pretty odd experience, and, and this is again. If you want to hear about the football, skip ahead another four minutes or so because you, you probably don't care. But we, we go to the yard house, and again, awesome place, good food, good beer. We decide to sit at the bar. It's three of us. We're going to be there for a while. Walk up to the bar, and there's a, a really attractive blonde girl sitting in one spot, and there's a couple guys sitting off to the to the other side, and there's three stools in the middle. And being the married guy that I am, I. I I, I choose the side away from the attractive blonde because because she clearly would have like propositioned you and things would it, have gone. It would have destroyed my she marriage. Was, she and, was super super into you. No, I'm just like hey, like <laughs> let single guys like one of you guys chatter up. Like yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like I I don't I'm not in, I'm not in that game. So right. I'll, I'll just I'll just enjoy the conversation from further away because that just seemed like the right thing to do. So sure. I sit down. James sits next to her. Clay sits in the middle. And I, I thought. 10% chance she'd even engage with us at all because she she was a gorgeous girl. I thought she's not going to care about us. We're just a bunch of scrubs here to watch football and drink beer. She talked almost nonstop to all of us. Like she was very engaging, very friendly. And uh, she was with her aunt. Her aunt was kind of the stereotypical Arizonan, Arizona in Arizonan woman who is in her probably early to mid fifties, but doesn't want to be in her early to mid fifties. And she was also very friendly, very, very talkative. And it was just, it was one of those conversations that covered an incredible amount of ground because we walked in there when the late afternoon games had just kicked off. We stayed until Broncos Colts was over. I think they were there the entire time. And they were just good. Good three hours. That was a long game, long conversation covering all different aspects of life and, I, I was um, at one point the the aunt the the older woman of the two uh, sitting furthest away from me. And she she goes, "Hey, you look like Jim in Nebraska." I said, "Oh, okay, that doesn't seem like a compliment, but okay, thanks, thanks for letting me know." And I, I kind of just brushed it off. And you know, ten minutes later, she kind of comes around with her phone. She goes, "Years ago, I would have left my first husband for Jim." And she pulls up photos of this guy on her phone because they must be friends on Facebook or something. And she's swiping through photos what? of this gym guy and his wife. He goes, see, you look just like him, except, you know, you have a beard right now, but I've never seen Jim with a beard. And I, I'm thinking, like, I'm, kinda, I'm just kind of surprised. Like, I've never really had a conversation like this. I'm like, is she 
is she hitting on me? Sort of yeah. like what? What is this? Like what's going on right now? And she's like, isn't his wife gorgeous? And I'm looking at these photos. I'm like, she yeah, she's she's a nice, attractive woman. And it's like it, it was so bizarre. Like I I didn't expect anything like this. The woman is also throughout this conversation. She started to talk about religion. Um, well, naturally, her, her niece her niece put the clamps on that immediately. She's like, "Don't bore these guys with that. Just don't just don't do that." And I I kind of wanted to see where that conversation went because I, I thought it would have been pretty entertaining. Uh, she talked about her business that she runs. Some guy rolled in for a business meeting. Like while this was going on, she was several drinks in, so that that was pretty entertaining. For a while, I mean, th- this this was one of the most strange conversations I think I've ever had, and it lasted three hours. Like, I, I didn't I didn't know what was coming next. Did anybody? I mean, did Claire James close the deal with the, with the attractive young blonde girl? Well, no. So she 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 talking to us the whole time, and she bought a round of, of fireball shots, which Clay was really excited about. <laughs> and um, you know, we we're just kind of sitting there, take the shots. All of a sudden, she kind of gets into a little argument with her aunt about, I think, the, the business deal that was happening a few feet away. She gets up, doesn't even say goodbye, just bolts out the door, hmm. just, just takes off. And like, wow, that was, that was strange. Interesting. Two minutes later, the aunt takes off, too. And it was just like we like, never knew him. Like, it was, just, it was just over. So not a great story, but uh, – Pretty am, good story. I mean, I'm Jim in Nebraska now, and, and the guy you want to talk to is James. I mean, he was sitting directly next to her so he could hear everything that was going on, and it was probably 10 times more interesting where he was sitting than where I was sitting. But I, I don't know. Let me know on Twitter. Was that, was that a pickup attempt by that woman, like comparing me to some Jim in Nebraska guy that she would have left her first husband for, but maybe not her second? Like, we, we, don't, we don't know. Yeah, we're gonna need to. Maybe we can get Jim on the pod. That would actually be ideal. Maybe I mean, I, I, I am Jim, though. Like, oh, apparently, well, well close enough. Um, yeah, I didn't really do too much this weekend. Uh, pretty low key. Bucks played Friday and Saturday night, so I kind of stayed in on on Friday at least to to catch up on that and write some recaps, things like that. But ended up at the karaoke kid as I've been. I've been doing that a little too often lately. And downtown Madison, a, a bar that offers you guessed it karaoke. Shocker, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't want, you know, it was one of those things like, well, last night was fun. I can't exactly remember, like, what exactly we did. Checks, you know, cut to checks, uh, checking account in morning, sees charges from karaoke kids. So, one, you know, one of those type of weekends. But it was, it was a good time. I was able to watch a lot of football on Sunday. Didn't do any karaoke uh, on Sunday, thankfully. But I was at the bar, the Great Dane, right downtown, uh, kind of a staple of downtown Madison. And, uh, I went there at like 10 p.m. last night. I'd, I'd gone and worked out and went with a friend to go get food just because I didn't have any good food at home. The Eagles-Cowboys game is on, and you know we get there at maybe a little after halftime, and I'm paying close attention to the game. My friend, she didn't really care at all, but there was an Eagles fan there. And this is Madison, Wisconsin, like just, I mean, the stereotypical drunk guy at a bar at a game, like just screaming F-bombs and Oh, I, I, think, I, I think I know this guy. Maybe. I think this guy used to intern at Rotowire. Maybe he's listening to the it's pod. Very possible. I don't know. That we had an intern, uh, Drew Drew Ham. Drew Ham? I think it was, I don't know if you pronounce it like the like the Olympians or if it's like the beer, but it's spelled like the beer. He was an Eagles fan and I think he's a, he's he's pretty pretty big into the the energy uh aspects of being a fan. Like he he will get other people, other people at the bar didn't seem like phased. Like the bartender was, you know, or the waitress slash bartender lady. There's only one person working because it was late and weren't that many people there. Like she comes up to our table and just laughing, like, "Oh, he always does this." I'm like, "This is like super disruptive." Like he's really like yelling a lot of expletives about a team that nobody else cares about. And then it all culminated in the end. You know, the game goes into overtime. He's he's furious about that in the first place. But then 
Eagles drive right down. Jordan Matthews gets in the end zone, and as Matthews gets into the end zone, he just I, I said because you know you could tell when Matthews caught that ball, like you know he had good twenty yards to go, but you could tell he was getting in. And I said to my friend, I'm like, watch this guy's gonna go crazy, and he did. He, he turns around like he didn't stand up on like the top of his bar stool, but like on the little rails. So he turns around and faces everybody and just yells, "F Greg Hardy." <laughs> <laughs> like as loud as possible, which drew a couple cheers from other yeah, people. Like, people there's a, cheer about that. There's a guy in an Adrian Peterson jersey who just loved that. I'm like, that's a little hip- I'm like, come what? on, man. Like, that's like, a little hypocritical, but whatever. Like, the, 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 the AP guy got on board with that? <laughs> yeah, it was just such a comical, like, what am I even doing here? So I left shortly after uh, as the game was obviously over. But that was a nice moment. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Greg Hardy. I don't think anyone really is at this point. So... It was at least an interesting way to end what was a pretty disruptive night for that guy. But we should probably get into the the Week 9 recaps. We'll start in Carolina, a game that I'm sure both of us watched. Um, You maybe a little more from afar being in Arizona uh, as opposed to me on my couch. But Packers 29, Panthers 37. This game really wasn't as close uh, as the score indicates, I guess, for most of the game. Green Bay was down big in this one, 27-7 at the half. But all of a sudden they came storming back. You know, it looked like the game, it was, all, it was almost like a mirror image of what happened to Carolina two weeks ago, where you know, they, they scored what looked to be like a dagger touchdown at the time, kind of let off the gas a little bit. Green Bay snuck back into this, and you know, they were very, very close to getting at least in position to attempt what would have been a two-point conversion for the tie. They get a fourth and five from, what was it, about their own five or six-yard line, or excuse me, the Carolina five or six-yard line, and ran a really weird formation, kind of bunched backfield. Cobb was off. Horrible, horrible I don't know formation. what that was. It's trying to get got a little too cute there. Went like full house onto the left side of the backfield. Cobb darts in motion and looked like he was open. And Rodgers kind of got flushed out, excuse me, got flushed out of the pocket, got a little bit flustered and ends up throwing a pick on what was a pretty terrible throw on that fourth down. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, going on, you know, I'm assuming you saw that possession. Did you think Green Bay should have gone for a field goal at the at the two fifty three mark, it was fourth and five at the seventeen. Um, they ended up going forward. They get a conversion. I think it was Rogers to Cobb on fourth down to bring him inside the ten. But I was thinking two fifty three left. You're down eight. Carolina hasn't been able to move the ball really at all for most of the second half. Like, was there would that have crossed your mind, or am I just kind of am I being a little too optimistic about that Green Bay defense being able to stop Carolina? No, we talked about that. The three of us were Clay and James, and I were watching this game and. It, I think the issue was that the Packers had just wasted one of their timeouts. If they had two timeouts and <sighs> a two minute a bad warning, timeout, yeah. if they had the two left, I think they had one left when this happened. They, I think they made the right call. If they had two timeouts and a two minute warning. I think a field goal actually would have been a reasonable. Well, right. I mean, they had they had four chances from the six yard line or whatever it was. And the play they designed, even though I didn't like the formation, actually worked because they picked they picked Cobb's guy. I mean, yep. it, sh- it should have been a penalty. Right. Like it was an and egregious play. And he was wide pick. open. And you could see, you know, the clip, the clip that ended up making the rounds on the internet was Rodgers looking at the, the Microsoft Surface uh, and then throwing it to the ground, seeing how open Cobb was. And, this is what I think of the Microsoft right. Surface. Right. I mean, that was, a, that was a microcosm of the whole game for Green Bay. I mean, there was the, the little scuffle between Raji Peppers and, and HaHa Clinton Dix on the sideline, which, you know, gracefully made its way out of the national uh, TV broadcast. Obviously, Dix ended up uh, apologizing on Twitter, said it was nothing, you know, just competitiveness, whatever. And that's fine. That happens. But it doesn't really happen to the Packers very often, you know. And that's 
that's something that I don't remember seeing, like fighting between teammates. Like, when is the last time you can remember that happened to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I can't recall it happening, but I, I do. I don't think it's always a bad thing. I think when when you expect to be a great team, and they were playing awful in the first half of this game, they played pretty and poorly really, really I mean, for the first three quarters. They like, played poorly for the last seven or seven uh, of their last eight quarters until the final nine minutes of this game. They they looked outmatched by a Carolina team that still doesn't have a, a ton of talent at receiver. Uh, Devin Funches played really well. Yeah, he got did. targeted four times, but he made two really difficult catches, uh, balls that were, I, th- I think, pretty, pretty well defended, at least by by the corners. But the issue, I think, was that HaHa had a bad game in coverage. Like he's, His over-the-top play was awful. Like That's part of the reason why Funches was able to make one of those big catches in the first half. And I'm trying to remember what play it was. Uh, it might have been Funches. I, don't think it, I think it was Kotri or Ginn caught one on the right side. There's a blown coverage, clearly. And you know he caught it. I think around the mid, around midfield with room to run. You know, no other defenders in the picture at the time. And then you see Clinton Dix like instead of attacking him to make the tackle, he was like sitting back, like, like just dropping, like, to- like almost in like a basketball defensive stance, like forcing him, trying to like force him into another defender. Like go up and make the play. And then yeah. obviously it's so much easier said than done. Sitting as we sit here at a you know on a podcast, but it was just an odd play. And he you know the, the receiver ended up getting an extra ten or fifteen yards because. He was just kind of like sheepdogging him, like trying to herd him back into the defense as opposed to tackling him. And it was just a weirdly, just an odd, you know, play you don't see that often in the NFL. The way he was playing, it made me wonder if he was like playing with the flu or something. Yeah, like he it, just like his decision making and his 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 movement just didn't look right. And no. we'll see if anything comes out about that, or maybe he had some kind of minor injury that wasn't reported. But that just stood out to me as a guy that that had a particularly kind of bad game. And the sideline thing doesn't really worry me. I mean, Carolina's a good team. Like they, they are good. Too. They're undefeated. Their defense is good. Cam is a top five quarterback. Maybe not in a fantasy context, but in, in real life, he is. Well, if you were choosing from the pool of quarterbacks, he'd be one of the first ones you'd take, I think. Uh, just imagine if that receiving core were better. Imagine if he had any receivers. I, I mean, think, if I, team, I think Funches could be really yeah. good. And I think well, this, yeah. well, well, here's what happens, too, though. For a lot of teams that don't have a great number one receiver, they often do have a good pass-catching tight end. Greg Olson's a very good player. He oh, really he, is. Like he, he blocks well, too, which we don't care about for fantasy purposes usually, but that's why he's on the field so much. I think with, with Philip Rivers, too, he's done it for most of his career with Antonio Gates. I know Keenan Allen, rookie year, and this year nah. played really well, but he's not an elite receiver. He's a very good one. Maybe he'll become a lead at some point. Funches maybe could become that guy. I just I'm surprised they're not giving him more targets. Three for seventy one and TD on four targets. Maybe a time to go get him on the waiver wire if they're going to increase his volume because I don't I don't see Cotri getting six targets a game. Ted Ginn shouldn't be getting targets. He's, Too shaky. I mean, we saw that play at the end of the indie game. It should have been the game winning touchdown drops like that. I mean, obviously that's that's one instance that that sticks out. But the difference with Funches is he's just. He's more Calvin Benjamin than those guys are. Kachery, yep. Ginn, who, who else are they even rolling out there these days? It, like those guys, um, you know, Philly Brown is another one, smaller, you know, almost guys you'd want working out of the slot. Funch just goes 6'4", 6'5", you know, kind of a, a guy that some people thought might even play tight end at, at the NFL level. So he kind of gives you that big body. And like you said, I am surprising, or I am surprised that he hasn't seen more targets and hasn't seen more snaps this year just because of, he's such a mix-up uh, and kind of a matchup nightmare for most, most cornerbacks. They've just adjusted the offense. Instead of trying to make one guy fill the role of Kelvin Benjamin, they've taken those targets and chopped them up into a lot of little pieces mm-hmm. and just scattered them. Is Ron, uh, is Ron Rivera like the runaway candidate for coach of the year right now? I, I think he has to be because nobody thought that Carolina would be 8-0. I mean, they. I think Mike Zimmer is probably in the conversation. I would agree. I think it's it's Riverboat, it's uh, it's Zimmer, and probably Marvin Lewis, too, would be Kubiak. in consideration. 
Uh, oh, Marvin Lewis for sure. Yeah, he's probably he's. I think Rivera and Lewis got to be close to neck and neck. Can can a coordinator win Coach of the Year? I mean, like, Wade, I, like I think like Wade Phillips deserves more credit than Gary Kubiak because yeah, I think the, Todd Bowles maybe might throw his name into that conversation if the Jets can keep. Yeah, I mean, know, like at the, at, at the halfway point, those would those would be probably the top five candidates for for that award. Uh, I mean, Belichick. I, yeah, I think well, would he, be he's almost competing default. against himself. You know, it's what. What does he have to do to win that award? Here's it. Let's say New England goes 15 and one, or even like it's not crazy. We're at the point in the season where it doesn't become crazy to say they could go undefeated because they've rolled through everybody. Yeah. Let's say if they go 16 and 0 again, hypothetical, and Cincinnati goes 14 and two, and Carolina goes 14 and two. Like I, I think that I think Carolina's fourteen and two is somehow more impressive than New England sixteen and zero. Yeah, because with New England you're doing it with a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback, and in Carolina maybe Cam Newton someday. And I mean, there's so much to factor in. The Carolina schedule is terrible. Yeah, we know but that. But the, they, the, the they AFC just beat... East is is okay, but it's not it's no. not a powerhouse. It, it's tougher than the NFC. It looks South a lot better right, right now than it did four weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell has helped the Dolphins turn things around. That's the big thing. I mean, Rex makes the Bills at least respectable every week. Most weeks, anyway. Most weeks. And the Jets, even though they didn't throttle the Jags, they, 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 got, the, they got the win. I, I, uh, were you expecting them to throttle the Jags? I wasn't. I thought they would. I, I thought, I thought <laughs> oh, they would. No, I, mean, I did, too. I'm kidding. I, I, yeah, but like it's, it's just, I don't understand their recent struggles. But it, it's, a, it's a league where I think what we forget is that even though guys – have injuries and, and play through them is that they don't play at the same level all year. It's a game of adjustments. You're going to see week to week changes. Teams are going to start to figure out things schematically that might slow a team down, or they might find ways to break down a defense that weren't there earlier in the year. Once you get tape on what teams want to do, good teams are going to plan for that and make adjustments. And it's, it's like we'd say in baseball all the time too. It's like you have hitters going up against pitchers for the first time. It's a game of cat and mouse and yep. week to week in the league, it's cat and mouse in the NFL plus multivariable calculus with injuries that that just like oh okay well you know randall cobb's playing and he's sort of healthy he looks pretty healthy again like 80 to 90 percent healthy at least he had that long td catch which that seems kind of, that kind of sparked it you know the, the comeback from green bay really yeah. it seemed kind of insignificant excuse me at the time but i mean that was really a big play in this game really early in the third quarter too and uh or was it fourth quarter i can't i remember. think it was third quarter yeah i think it was right after halftime uh, Devonte Adams played well. I mean, they they burned Josh Norman a couple of times. He got a little dinged up in this game. He also Lacey, made a few nice plays. He did. That guy is something else. He's they, a, he's they a great. They actually corner. had him on. They had him on Levitard this morning, and he was really good. Yeah, he's he's a great corner. Like it's it's a good story. And Carolina's defense, I think, is like a top three or top five defense at least. Uh, but the Packers lost Eddie Lacy to an ankle injury in this one. He caught up a fumble, so it's hard to know if. if I uh, wanted to ask you about him in general. I mean. I liked him as a buy low coming into right. this week. Yeah, now I, it's I feel bad. Lower, I, think, I, think. I think I told a couple people on Twitter like to, to give him a shot this week, and I feel terrible about that because I mean, five carries, ten yards. He, I was talking to KOB out in the office a little bit earlier this morning about this, and you know he knows the Packers as well as just about anybody. And I don't know. I mean, what is the issue with Lacey? Everybody says he looks out of shape, but I feel like he's all, he doesn't look any he bigger than he always looks has. Looks like that all the time, right? I don't like, th- and like. The coaching staff has said he's in shape. Like you know, stuff like this tends to go public if it's a real issue. And I really don't know if weight's the issue. I don't know if he's still hampered from that first ankle injury. He just doesn't see. He's just a half second slow on hitting holes. You know, tackles or cuts that he tackles that he breaks, cuts that he usually makes. He just he's just not. He's going down much easier than than he was in the past. He was never a guy that was breaking off big plays. Right. That's that's not his game at all. I mean, he's he's more of the I'm going to rumble for seven or eight yards on better carries and get yards at their contact. And occasionally I'll rip one for 25. But 
He's not the guy that's going to be even anywhere close to the top 10 in the league in 40-plus yard carries. It's just not his game whatsoever. And I think part of his struggles has been the recent play of the offensive line. I mean, we saw this. Aaron Rodgers was under constant pressure in this game, and it seemed like as the second half went along, the Packers leaned on the shotgun quite a bit more often, which certainly worked. I mean, he still had to move around in the pocket, but he wasn't getting hit as much. It seemed like that was a pretty obvious adjustment that took them a long time to make. Uh, but it, it, the good news for Rodgers, I mean, Cobb and Adams both seem to be healthy. James Starks is, a, is an ample pass catcher if Lacey misses time. And James Jones' value is really taking the hit. I mean, that's what we expected. But he's at the point now, unless you're in like a 16-team league or unless you've got bye week and injury issues, I don't really think you want to start him. I think he's just a bench piece. Yeah, I'd, it used to be, I mean, what were we preaching the first six, seven weeks of the season? It was, you know, James Jones isn't the most talented. You know, he might not get targeted the most, but this offense is so good. The passing offense is so good. The potential for touchdowns is so high. And I think these last two weeks have kind of brought us back to earth a little bit. And Rodgers' numbers are really good in this one. I mean, four touchdowns and, you know, almost 400 yards. But it's not this, It's not the, the machine that we thought this offense maybe was going to be throughout the season. So, yeah, I think the, you know, the ancillary values of guys like Devontae Adams and James Jones are probably a little bit lower than they should be. Cobb is probably the, by far the safest of those three. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Uh, one kind of subplot that kind of developed over the course of this game happened as Cam uh, it was coming out of the tunnel before the game. He tore down a "This is Packers Country" banner, which um, oh wow, that's like that's that's what he should do. Yeah, like, yeah, I think I mean, that's cool. Like, I, I mean, maybe not cool, but I don't think I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a pretty harmless way to to show we're playing at home. Like, I don't like your fans being here. I I wouldn't go to another team's stadium and drop a huge banner like that. And I'm a fan of the team that did this. I wouldn't like, drop a banner at any game. I, I don't I don't want to deal with a banner. I wouldn't. I wouldn't well, th- was this was better than what happened? Two weeks ago, at the I don't even know what protester gate where those people were rappelling down from the stadium. Jeez. You saw that, right? That was also in Carolina, wasn't You're, it? Right, yeah. I still don't know how you. That get was re- so bizarre. How do you get rappelling equipment into a stadium? Right. Do, uh, the, like we waited all- line to go into the game for <laughs> reasons of of security, and you got people rappelling down the stadium and pro- like what? In, what is that, Carolina? Like, wake up on that. But Cam's quote about this after the game is amazing. It's no disrespect to nobody. It's just more of a respect to the stadium. Oh, We all know gangs. We all know territories. We all know businesses. You're not about to sit up here and sell a Whopper at McDonald's, end quote. That's actually a pretty good analogy. That's perfect. I wouldn't have been able to probably think of that on the fly like that. But is he? I heard he's facing criminal charges for this, or is that a joke? I saw a couple articles about that, and like twenty four seven Sports was reporting it, and like they're usually pretty rude, you know. I maybe like a destruction of property. I Fan think. reports theft to police. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure, come on. I'm sure nothing will come of this. Look, guy, some some guy from Fayetteville, I think, was the Packer fan. That right. Did it. Come on, man. Like. You brought a band to the like opposing this. team stadium. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, yeah. I've seen Packer fans do a-hole things to people that come to Lambeau, and I, I don't, uh, I don't yeah. understand that at all. Like, I, I've been on the receiving end of those a-hole things more often than not. As a Jags fan? Oh, yeah. As like, Why? As like a seven-year-old Jags fan. You would not believe it. I'm, I mean, I remember oh, the, going to games with that, my dad. and like, that the Jags were good? Yeah. I was at the game when Rob, remember like Robert Ferguson almost died when Donovan Darius like head to head hit him. Oh yeah, the you remember neck, that game? Yeah, that like, neck hit, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean like to be fair, like seven year old me was like, yeah, 
you're, like, but you're seven. Right. And like, no, people don't hold back. Like I still talk to my dad about this all the time. When we, when we talk about Packers stuff, he always, you know, I would remember when those old guys were flipping you off and saying F you when you were like seven. I was like, yeah, I still do remember that. It was pretty weird. Yeah. That's people people don't mess around at Packers games. No, my, my dad and a bunch of his friends and, and I, we went to a game. I think I was in middle school and we were Lions fans at the time. Like growing up, my dad's always been a Lions fan. I think he finally flipped to and. I flip by the end of college. Everyone flips eventually. Incredible. It's just a a ticking time bomb. You you bail eventually. But we all went, and I I think most of his friends were wearing, like, you know, Lions starter jackets or whatever. And they weren't. Official apparel. They weren't obnoxious. They weren't screaming stuff or anything like that. We we went to go go to the bathroom, and there were Packer fans like, hey, get out of here. We're going to take a piss on you. It's like, oh, yeah. Are you serious? Like, yeah, like, they're not kidding. Like, like, people get get so drunk that, like, anything is, no, nothing is off limits as far as, like, what you can do to opposing fans. I have never said anything to an opposing fan. I'll talk to them about the game. I'll just engage them. I don't care. Like, I get annoyed that Cubs fans will populate Miller Park in the summer, and there's 75, 25 well, Cubs fans sometimes. But that's well, it's just, like that's the city of Chicago is pretty big. You know, Chicago's have, big. It's close. It's it's, close. it's hard Why to not? get tickets at Wrigley. Right. Like, look, it's just it's what it is. Like, I I have to accept that. That's part of going right, to the yeah. game. So, if you if you, if you're trying to get Cam Newton to pay for the banner you dropped into Bank of America Stadium, you're crazy. Like they they shouldn't weird. give you anything. If they want to give you tickets to their game or something, yep. fine. But they don't owe you money for your banner. That's oh, just yeah, a bad yeah. choice, dude. It's a banner. Yeah, big deal. Um, so yeah, really nothing else from this game. I guess we've, we've pretty much exhausted it. What is your panic level on Green Bay? Quick before we move on. Um, a two or a three. Uh, the offensive KOB line said to play two better. as well. I, I say I say three or four, uh, and use the term panic I guess pretty lightly when you look at the upcoming schedule or the rest of the schedule the rest of the way for Green Bay uh, is much softer Detroit Minnesota Chicago Detroit Dallas Oakland Arizona and Minnesota in week 17 all of a sudden that Minnesota uh, final weekend matchup could, could actually have some ramifications as they're tied atop the division right now so Big game looming in two weeks uh, against those Vikings, but you know you got to like the two matchups in four games against Detroit. Uh, obviously, we know what Chicago is about. Dallas will probably have Romo back at that point. That game probably looks a little bit scarier than it does right now. So you know we'll see. I mean, Oakland's no joke. Arizona's certainly no joke. Those last four games uh, could go a long way in determining seeding. So Patriots twenty-seven, Redskins ten. Not a ton to talk about in this game. This is pretty much chalk. What people expected to happen. New England jumps out fourteen-zero after the first quarter. Kind of coasted the rest of the way. The offense didn't really look great after after that first quarter. Brady, 299 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a pick. Garrett Blunt, 29 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown for him. They, they rode him pretty heavily throughout this game. Deion Lewis, though, the big news really from this game, Deion Lewis tears his ACL. That was confirmed by the Patriots on Monday afternoon, so he's done for the year. Yeah, that's awful news. I mean, Deion Lewis, a great story, a guy that was out of football for a couple of years before getting, I think it was a futures contract, the Patriots making the team, being significant from week one on. Uh, hopefully he gets back at some point next year and uh, gets back in that role. I mean, I'm not I, I'm like anti-Patriots, but I'm certainly not like anti-Deion Lewis or don't want any of their guys to go down like that. So uh, hopefully he gets back. I saw Brandon LaFell get quite a few targets in this one. I mean, he's not available in any leagues, but he's the kind of guy you could probably trade for at a relatively normal price, and you get a share of the Patriots offense, which seems content to throw deep into games. Garrett Blunt's value goes up a bit. With Lewis down, I wonder if James White comes in and catches some passes. I don't think he'd get as many touches as Lewis would, but I think he's the guy that best profiles to handle that role. Kirk Cousins, 22-40 for 217 in a game where he had to just keep airing it out. One TD, one pick, just so subpar. I, I, Jay Gruden, I don't think he's going to even make it through the whole season. 
Uh, he shouldn't. I think we talked about this like the first week of the podcast, and I think we, we kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen here. I don't think this is really a surprise to anybody. This, this organization is a complete mess, really, from the top down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really don't have many thoughts on this game. This isn't one that I really checked in on too much, you know, doing the, the kind of whip around thing that we try to do on Sundays. Um, like you said, Kirk Cousins, mediocre performance. Uh, but Brandon LaFell, I guess, you know, if you're looking at this from a fantasy takeaways perspective, uh, he's probably the guy to go and pick up out of that receiving core. But at the same time, like, you know, we, as good as this Patriots offense is, it's been so hard to predict. Even the running back situation has been tough. And, and like you said, it'll be very interesting to see now where they go without Deion Lewis. Titans 34, Saints 28. Come on, Saints. You can't be losing this game. The Titans had lost six straight coming into New Orleans. New Orleans obviously coming off of a, of a stretch of two impressive wins over the Giants and the Falcons. And maybe the Falcons' win doesn't look so great anymore after what happened to them. And we'll get into that later. I, I have some thoughts on the, a certain 49ers quarterback. Uh, but I think this game just kind of re-cemented the fact that Marcus Mariota might be better than Zach Mettenberger. And that, that's just my opinion. And I just wanted to get that out there. I know that'll probably cause a lot of backlash. But 28-39, 371 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. So, you know, credit the offensive line, credit a bad Saints defense, but credit Mariota's mobility as well, just to be able to avoid those situations. Antonio Andrews, the starting running back now, apparently, in Tennessee, 19 carries, 88 yards. Delaney Walker, Two touchdowns in this one. Did you see his first one? Yeah. What? It was a horrible first throw. First of all, I mean, I'm sure most people that are listening have probably seen the highlight by now. If you haven't, go check it out on, on Vine or Twitter or whatever. Two Saints defenders converge on what should be an easy pick. A really bad throw from Mariota. Walker Walker was expecting it over one shoulder. He turns the other way. The ball's just kind of up in no man's land. The Saints defenders collide. Ball flies up in the air. Walker catches it. And this is Delaney Walker. This is not... This is not Darius Hayward Bay. Like he's got a good like forty yards to run, at least thirty. I can't remember exactly where it was, where it happened, but somehow they didn't chase him down. Like he was chugging along the sideline and really kind of went in without much contest. Yeah, I, it's the Saint, the Saints defense is worse than Drake's hotline bling video. So whoa, I I just had to quantify it in, in terms that you'd be familiar with. I, I mean, I, that, I happen to like that video. I I know. I mean, but it's it's. Uh, I like I like it for its comedic value and like what it's delivered to us otherwise in the form of various parodies like the one I shared with you earlier today. But what the hell, Saints? Like thirty? How do you lose? How do you give up thirty four points to the Titans? Like that's just that's mind blowing. I'm almost five yards a carry for Antonio Andrews in this one. I I have no idea how this happens. Rob Ryan going to be long gone as the D coordinator at season's end. Uh, you see a few shots at the sideline throughout the year where Sean Payton seems to be getting into it with him too so that relationship <laughs> yeah. has devolved and kudos to the Titans I mean you get rid of Ken Wisenhunt you go on the road to New Orleans and win a game that's actually pretty impressive right well it's one of those like you know how does Rob Ryan keep getting these jobs I don't know they all seem to kind of end Nepotism, <laughs> similarly I yeah guess. I guess uh, it's, it's interesting but uh yeah not a great not another great day for that Saints defense and they're a team like I still don't know anything about like I we know they're not good right but we also don't we all they're not really bad they have a couple decent wins they have some pretty bad losses like they're not out of this thing uh as far as maybe trying to sneak in as a wild card I think they're four and five now after this week and anything can happen in the NFC South I mean Carolina looks to be running away with the division right now and that that's probably going to continue but beyond that I mean it's really it's really unclear what's going to happen there Bills 33 Dolphins 17 Buffalo got a safety right away touchdown field goal touchdown to go 19 oh go up excuse me 19 to 7 at the half 
Miami had an interesting decision right at the end of this half. They were driving. Uh, I think they, they had a pretty big, like a ten play drive going into the you know, into the final minute of the half. They have first down, uh, first down and goal from the Buffalo one with two seconds left on the clock. They go for it and get stuffed. Mm. Was that the right call? Sure, Let's, I think it is right. Like if yeah. you if that's your team and you're down nineteen to seven against a pretty good Buffalo team that's yeah, moving the ball well, like you, I think you'd go for it. Right? Like I'd be I'd be slightly frustrated if you don't go for it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, I, I the Dolphins, what a what a snapback for them. Like after after two really good games against bad teams under Dan Campbell, they've kind of crashed back to earth in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Lamar Miller had a nice day. I mean, we're talking 141 yards from scrimmage, two TDs. His value's been up significantly since that change was made. But the Bills ran all over them. LaShawn McCoy looks like he's very healthy at this point. Didn't have that health at the beginning of the season. Looked a little sluggish then, but 112 yards on 16 carries. Had a TD. Sammy Watkins had a massive day. Pretty much hauling in all of Tyrod Taylor's targets. Tyrod Taylor only threw it 12 times in this one. Didn't have to. Eight of eight of or what? Eleven of twelve. I'm, I'm sorry. And then eight receptions for Watkins. Right. Yeah. I mean, nothing else in that like, receiving core. That mattered. was it. That was pretty much it. 168 yards and a score for Crazy. Watkins. And I think that happened on a good number of benches, to be honest, because the production hasn't been there. Uh, Taylor added 44 rushing yards to Carlos Williams. Man, talk about a running back tandem that maybe is the best in the league right now. Nine carries, 110 yards, two more touchdowns. What? Like, where did this come from? Like, I didn't think Carlos Williams was that good coming out of Florida State, but he's put the Bills in a position where in situations where they are protecting a lead, they can pretty comfortably lean on two different guys to help them protect it. I mean, like you don't have to give McCoy 30 carries. You can give McCoy 15 to 20 and give Williams 8 to 12, and you're going to get maybe five yards of pop from both of these guys in some matchups. Yeah, I think we kind of forgot how effective they both were early in the season when they were healthy. McCoy was hampered for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we saw the Booby Dixon experiment happen for a little bit there, and you know, Carlos Williams had that concussion. But yeah, when these guys are both healthy, I mean, it's kind of insane to wonder what you know if, if it was only McCoy or only Williams, like what kind of yardage total would they have have ended up with? I mean, 110 yards on nine carries only for for Carlos Williams, just 16 carries for McCoy, pretty light. You know, for considering his his pedigree, he had a 48 yard run. Williams had a 38 yard run. So both guys capable of big plays. Uh, you know, a lot to like I think about this Buffalo team. But we just we've learned that we can't trust them on a week to week basis. No, we uh, we can't, and it's it's frustrating. Um, I think part of it's that the defense hasn't gelled quite the way we expected. Maybe it'll happen in the second half. Maybe it's just a new scheme and take some time. But uh, interesting too that uh, they they match up the bills match up with the jets on the thursday night game you, you pointed out that bills head coach rex ryan has named ik and incompatible yes even say i it. don't know how to say it either uh in kapali never mind the guy that punched Geno smith in the face uh and got cut by the jets is a captain for the bills in this game which look I, that's that's typical rex that's what you expect rex ryan to do i wouldn't have done that even even if I'm Rex Ryan and I, I want to be that's like like the like swaggiest playing, coach in the league yeah. like that that's just stupid like you're like that, playing into a parody of yourself almost at that point yeah like that's, that's too much Rex it, Ryan it, it, it's too much like it, it's too much because it's like okay like this guy did a stupid thing to the quarterback or the backup quarterback the opposing team like you don't it's, it's not necessary it's a bad look Rex Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's interesting though. I mean, it's kind of something that you almost say like he wouldn't actually do that, would he? And he actually did. So, yeah, I mean, it, it adds a little gamesmanship to what should be a very, very interesting matchup as the Bills go to New York. Does Gino become the the captain for the Jets? They send Gino out there for the coin flip <laughs> for what? Like a pre snap or like a pre coin flip brawl? 
I mean, if if you send Geno Smith out there, does he just throw a haymaker during the coin flip? How awesome would that be, though? I'd, if he did, it just walked up stoically and just just pretend, just like like reached out to shake his hand and like WWE style, just right. decked him and knocked him out with one. Even punch. like an RKO would be fine. Yeah, anything. Oh my god, an RKO would be. It'd have to be out of nowhere, time. though. Of course, it would be though. It would. Yeah. You would never expect an RKO at the coin flip. <laughs> Just the call on that would be incredible. I don't know who does the Thursday night games these days. That'd be that'd be Nance, Nance and Phil oh. Sims. It would be awesome if Phil Sims recognized the RKO <laughs> and called it like Jim Ross. I I would I would die laughing. Like I uh, would actually or, die laughing. See, at that I, scenario. I, I wish in this hypo, hypothetical scenario that like Gruden would be on the call just to see the analysis of that. But Gruden definitely knows what an RKO oh, yeah. is because Gruden watches WWE on all of his flights. I have no oh, doubt yeah. that he gets the Wi-Fi. Someone helps him get the Wi-Fi, maybe. And then he watches the WWE and loves it. Like, Gruden seems like he'd be all in on wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think I would be – you'd be very hard-pressed to convince me otherwise. Um, All right, next game. Let's look at the Raiders 35. And oh no, we missed one. Where am I looking? Oh, okay. Rams eighteen, Vikings twenty one. We, yeah, we, we missed. One, oh no, right. yeah. We're gonna have to spend so much time on this. Uh, I, I have written here. It was a pretty gross game. Uh, Bridgewater was literally knocked out of this game. Yes. Uh, in the fourth quarter, I I go back and forth on these type of plays. It was you know it was the typical quarterback is sliding, defender kind of leaps at him as he's about to slide, like. I'm of the belief that if you're a defender, you need to do everything you can, especially late in the game, to make sure that that quarterback's going down. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't mean late hit him or anything like that. You know, and that, that means if you think that you have a chance to tackle him, don't. You know, what if what if Bridgewater doesn't slide and well, like just runs right through? Yeah. Like, I don't what know. if he like kind of like jukes you and just goes around? Right. Like, I know. It, and it, I almost it, feel like the the fake slide isn't utilized enough. <laughs> The fake slide seems like a great way to just blow out your ACL for That could be another no another offensive style, the slide raid. The fake slide. But <laughs> Teddy Teddy was knocked unconscious. And yeah, I heard was... a, I saw reports that he was out to dinner or something with close friends afterwards, which is, is a good sign. But it's, it's like, come on, this guy can't play next week, right? He was blacked out on the field. Yeah. I, I didn't know Sean Hill was their back quarterback. Oh no, neither did I. That was crazy. That was... Plays like that though are are proof that the the rules of the NFL, the rules of football are impossible to align with the physics of the game. Because if you're playing quarterback, you're running at me and you're about to slide, and I'm trying to tackle you legally. I'm trying to hit you like in the thighs and just like take you out around the waist or something. You're going to slide and put your head at that level. Right. So where I was diving to hit you legally in a split second is going to be where your head is, and I'm going to hit you helmet to helmet or shoulder to helmet or forearm to helmet because there's literally not enough time for me to hit you any other way. And then stuff like this happens, and it, and it looks really dirty because they they run the replay five times and they slow it down, and you you see it, you see the head like shoot back on impact, you see it hit the ground and kind of jaw, kind of rattle again, and it's just yep. it's ugly, but it's it's just I think I think it's an unfortunate part of the game that will never go away. Like there are certain collisions you cannot avoid. And it's just mere physics. But yeah, there's, there's no way to prove like intent or anything like no, that. It's no, tough. Not at and, all. You know, you got to do what you can to, to protect quarterbacks, and especially when it comes to head injuries. But so you're putting the, de- the defense in a, a disadvantaged situation, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, Nick Foles outproduced Todd Gurley, so that's like, uh, we, like we all thought. It's shocking, actually, but he, he's just awful. I mean, the Vikings getting the win here. I think they're six and two now, tied with the Packers atop the NFC North. Uh, AP, a little better day than Gurley, 29 carries, 125 yards, and a score. I mean, this game was pretty much exactly what you expected it to be. The two running backs on display, quarterback play being inconsistent. I, I didn't see much from Stephon Diggs in this one. That's kind of a disappointing performance for him. But that Rams defense tends to show up more often than not, so I think I'd chalk it up mostly to that. 
Yeah, I think it's that. I think you know the Rams were in position multiple times to to at least well they had they had an opportunity to to tie the game, uh, which they ended up doing. Obviously, it went to overtime, but initially Zerline had missed a field goal that would have tied it. They ended up getting the ball back, you know, tacking on a field goal late to send it into overtime. They they were attacking to the point where you know, they were moving the ball well on, on their final. I guess it would have been their second to last drive in the fourth quarter. I think they were at around the Minnesota thirty five. And then Nick Foles takes like a 12-yard sack. And all of a sudden now it becomes like a 50-plus yard field goal. And it's just stuff like that. Like they can't move the ball in chunks at all. And like their biggest weapon is a guy that you can't use when you need to kill the clock. You know, like you want to hand it off to Todd Gurley, but when you only have one timeout left and, you know, a minute and change on the clock, you just can't. So I think they're very, very limited uh, in that respect. And that kind of ended up being their undoing in this one. But yeah, Gurley's still a decent game. I mean, this is this is a scale that we're judging him on. Is like we're disappointed by 89 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, in today's NFL, that's certainly not a bad line. AP, 125 yards and a touchdown for him. He he said after the game that Gurley kind of, you know, was like looking in a mirror watching a young Adrian Peterson run. And I don't know if that's the best comparison necessarily. I think in terms of like effectiveness, probably. But like they don't, Gurley doesn't exactly like scream like clone of Adrian Peterson to me when he runs. He's... Uh... I think he's a little more finesse than yeah, AP, but every, not, everybody is though. Like AP is like the exception in terms of the combination of, of AP is like Bo Jackson. Speed. Like no one else is really. Yeah, I mean AP is probably that's that's a pretty fair comp. I think he in just terms runs of, so running violently. Style. Like Gurley doesn't have like that violent like. AP is just like a, a force coming at you. The the t- the Gurley's a little more willing to juke you. Yeah, AP exactly. is like you know what? I'm just gonna run over you because I'm I'm bigger than you and I'm running right. fast enough. Where if I hit you, it's gonna be like hitting a speed bump exactly. and I'm fine. But Gurley's TD was really impressive. Good, good second effort. Kind of got hit a little short of the goal line, uh, trying to dive in and then still found a way to get in. So yep. I, I mean, I think we're talking about uh, one of the he's what we're gonna talk about with Todd Gurley. When his career is over, and it's going to be hopefully 8, 10, 12 years from now, not anytime soon, is that he's going to be one of the best backs of this generation. I think that's increasingly apparent. I think we see it in college, too, with Leonard Fournette. I know he didn't have much of a game against Bama this week, but Leonard Fournette, to me, looks like he's equal in terms of his prospect ability to Todd Gurley. I think he's, I think he's like bigger, a, more, a, a larger prospect or a more... I don't know, like skill wise. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a college football talent evaluator. But I feel. I feel like Fournette's a bigger star than already than Gurley ever was, and that's saying a lot because Gurley was a big star. But like Fournette has taken things to another level. Yeah, I'm just hoping for his sake that he's healthy through the end of next season. I don't, right. I don't know if he's going to sit out or get limited use with LSU in 2016. But really unfortunate for Leonard Fournette that he has to wait another year right. before he's eligible for the draft. Right. And you said you know he had a very down performance. I think something like 19 carries for 31 yards or something against that Alabama D. But that was the first game all year that he hasn't topped 150 yards rushing. So I think he'll be all right. Uh, speaking of a team that won't be all right, Jaguars 23, Jets 28. Um I mean, this was another. The Jags, I thought, played better than I expected in this one, but it came down to, uh, you know, I think they had the ball with about a minute left, down five. Yeah, I think that the drive started at like their own six. Brian Walters made a great decision to not catch a punt uh, and let it basically be down inside the 10. And on the first play of that drive, Blake Bortles threw his second pick of the game, and, and that was it. So. Not a team that you really want to trust to go long distances in short amounts of time. Uh, we've seen that over and over again. But another big fantasy day from Bortles: three hundred, or yeah, excuse me, three hundred eighty-one yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Was sacked six times. And that's kind of been the refrain all season. But thirty-two rushing yards, a nice little bonus. That's a little more than most quarterbacks would give you. Um, Alan Hurtens, another big game for him: one hundred twenty-two yards, touchdown. He has a touchdown in six straight games. Now that has to be the longest active streak, I would think. Um, Allen Robinson, 121 yards. Those two have been 
uh, quietly a really, really, really good receiving tandem. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of Bortles you know, yeah, getting well, a little Robinson better this year. Yeah, Robinson makes ridiculous catches that bail that really bail Blake Bortles out. Robinson has has the talent to be a top ten receiver if he's oh, yeah. not already. Oh, yeah. I mean, like in terms of production and ability, like he's, he's maybe even top five. Reminds me a lot of point. AJ Green. Yeah, he's he's a special player, and I, I think. Jacksonville is definitely headed in the right direction, maybe for the first time in a long time. <laughs> but TJ Yeldon actually had a pretty good game. This one, 101 yeah. yards from scrimmage in a really tough matchup. Chris Ivory, he scored twice. Otherwise, this would have been a horrible day. 23 carries, 26 yards, three catches for 22 yards, the two TDs. I mean, that, that saved him. Uh, I yeah. don't know what to make of him right now. You mentioned Hearns and, and Robinson, though. Is that Jags D? Jags D stepping up. Uh, the Jag lag wasn't a problem in London. Had the big nope. comeback against the Bills. Maybe it's an issue, though. Maybe they're still feeling it just a little bit after that I think they're week. like post-Jag lag is what's happening. Oh, the, the, no, I think it's delayed onset Jag lag. Right. Right, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, the big takeaways fantasy-wise, uh, like, like we said, Hearns and Robinson uh, both having big games. They continue to have value even as the Jaguars continue to rack up losses. Um, yeah, really nothing else from this game. Quick word from DraftKings. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting in Week 10. DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event. This time, $1 million goes to first place. If you go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOWIRE. You can play free with your first DraftKings deposit. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, and that will give you free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This is not fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, Derek, so before we get into uh, a few of the, the later games, I think we have five games left to break down. I want to talk a little bit about an app that I stumbled across today, and this is not a sponsored thing or anything. In, in fact, I think we're probably going to end up trashing it more than, more than anything. But So I came across this, this app. I, I, I was on the New York Daily News website reading something about the Knicks, and this ad popped up on the side. And there's a new app that's launching today. It's on beta trial called Rumbler. And it's spelled like Tumblr, so R-U-M-B-L-R. I guess, you know, don't you don't need the E. It's like the weekend or something. And it is it bills itself as, quote, the Tinder for fighting. So what you do is you create a profile and, you know, you put your height, weight, your, your record, apparently, and then your location. And you can, like, you can swipe through, swipe left and right type of thing. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think it actually has swiping. There's either a fight or a pass button. And you can... Basically, meet up with someone to fight. It's an interesting idea. Um, it, is it? That's like one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, it is. It, it's interesting because I'm looking at an article about it where it's got some screen grabs. Right. And the... <laughs> Matty Ice 67? Matty Ice 67. <laughs> like, I'd love to hit that guy in the face. <laughs> like, it, it's per- like, they marketed this thing perfectly. Like, if you see this story, I'm looking at the Daily News one. <laughs> Matty Ice 67, two stars, amateur. So, okay, like, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that wants to be in, in fights. So, no, no. Um, it, you, you get, <laughs> so you tap on fight or pass, and then apparently you can schedule a fight. You can chat with the person. And this, yeah. this one has the, a little chat thing. It, it starts off with, bro, your face is pissing me off. Want to throw down? Is that how fights start? <laughs> is that what happens? And I've never been in a fight. I don't know. There's a map where there's a bunch of fists around the area. They use Harlem as an example. So within a few blocks of Harlem, there's like these big red fists where people apparently are looking for a fight. And if they'd all just converge, a little triangle, if they'd all just meet in the middle, they could have like a, like a triangle match or a battle royale. Um, this is maybe the worst idea I've ever heard. This is worse than the Tom Simkowski jump to conclusions mat 
from office space, which I yep. think is actually a good idea. I think yep. if you don't know what to do, you should just jump onto a like a twister board that has a bunch of decisions on it and just do what it says. I mean, it, it, is this going to even be legal? Are, are, are cops going to have to track I, this? And like, how is this even legal? Like because I well, I told this to you know our own Mario Puig who I usually come to with, with news like this. He always has hot takes. And his first thing was, like, everybody on that's going to be a cop. Like, if you're a cop, why would you not be on this to just go and bust up fights? Well, if you're a cop, though, do you want to spend your time busting up fights? Like, I, I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Do, maybe. Do you, like, if you're a cop, do you care? If Matty Ice 67 goes and just gets demolished somewhere by, by somebody that doesn't like his face, do but you like, care? Well, okay, so in their little, their little fake conversation here that they include in their screenshot – Bro, your face is pissing me off. Want to throw down? Hell yeah, bro. I'm going to F you up. Cool. Meet me behind 5th Ave Delhi parking lot. Like, these, are these going to be taking place and you'll drive by and just see a fight happening because somebody met up on Rumbler? Well, the other weird thing about it, too, there's options for Rumble Her. So they have the ladies' division. Yeah. And they have Rumbler Group, which is like, what's that, like a gang fight? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, that's exactly what it is. This, this sounds extremely dangerous. Like, how, how did someone decide this was a good idea? Like it's like a good enough idea to develop the app and then think that it's not going to get shut down. Like I, I'm, it's going to get shut down. And then like at first I was like, this almost has to be a joke or like something that you know somebody's just throwing out there to see what happens. And like it's the app team operates out of a shared office space in Soho, which sounds like the most like cliche possible startup type of situation. But, but that's it's the a, last place I would legit, expect the the fighting people to be with their eh. app. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but you know they apparently have enough investment in it that they can afford an office space in Soho. Uh, so they've got VC investments here. I, like they've maybe. got they got back. Some they, somebody has enough money. I'm assuming that a, a shared office space in Soho is not super cheap. Uh, is it? I don't know. I've never I've never been to Soho. I Soho seems like an expensive. It place does. It just me. sounds expensive. But yeah. So Rumbler. I think the only good thing about this is the name. Like that's a if you're gonna make this app, like Rumbler is the perfect name for it. I think that's that's great. But other than that, very odd. And I hope this doesn't actually catch on. But yeah, I just wanted to. To bring that to people's attention because I that's just one of the more bizarre ideas that I've seen in a while. Speaking of rumbling, these are two teams that I think would maybe get on Rumbler. The Raiders and the Steelers. Pittsburgh 38, uh, Oakland 35 in this one. This was a really, really good game. I, I ended up watching most of this over the Green Bay game just because I was watching with a friend who's a Raiders fan. Uh, obviously, me as a Jags fan, we kind of usually get to commiserate together on Sundays. But Oakland looked really good in this one. Um, you know, Obviously, it just wasn't quite enough. To, to handle Antonio Brown, who like pretty much single-handedly won them this game. Uh, didn't get in the end zone at all somehow, but 17 catches, 23 targets, 284 yards. I believe, uh, if my math is correct, that puts him like ninth or 10th all-time in single-game receiving yards, which seems like really low for 284 yards. Um, but he had a long one, uh, I think 50 or 60-yarder toward the end of this game that got that got Pittsburgh way down into, uh, into Oakland territory and then you know allowed them to, to close things out there but big Ben hurt sounds like he's going to miss at least a couple weeks with a midfoot sprain kind of a sigh of relief though I guess because at, at first it looked like he might have broken the foot yeah uh, it kind of got landed on or stepped on and it, it as he was trying to move so he was kind of planted and probably stretched some things out pretty bad in there we'll see if it ends up being two, three, four weeks, but uh, we're going to see more Landry Jones. At least when Jones Finally. came in the game, it looked a little bit like it did uh, after he took over for Mike Vick, where he, he was still throwing the ball to Brown. So Brown's value definitely goes down without Roethlisberger. There's no doubt about that, but I don't think it goes down quite as much as it did the last time this season Roethlisberger was on the shelf. D'Angelo Williams, Nick, looks really good. 27 carries, 170 yards, two touchdowns, maybe a top five back. He might be the, the like, he's 
probably the best backup running back in the league. That's what I'm I think that's well, pretty clear. Yeah, between like it's like D'Angelo Williams and Carlos Williams are like yeah. the two that look like the most prime. Ryan Matthews looks pretty good too. But yeah, I, 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 even even James Starks at times. Yeah, but I, I think D'Angelo Williams really could be a top five back the rest of the way because the Steelers are going to lean on him pretty heavily. He doesn't really have any competition for for carries right now. Uh, they'll dump it down to him a little bit in the passing game. He's probably pretty fresh. I mean, he shared carries for a good chunk of his time in Carolina, so the age and, and mileage uh, don't correspond as much to the typical starter's workload, and he's just looked good all year. So gives the Steelers a lot of credit for going out, getting a guy that could fill in when Le'Veon Bell was suspended, and having him available as an insurance policy with Bell on the shelf. Uh, Derek Carr, though, playing pretty well, and he's clearly better than his older brother, David Carr. Uh, both are better than former Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr, who's arguably the worst. And There's no relation there, right? I don't think, I don't think there is. But I think we would have heard about that. Yeah, that would have come up at some point, but all three rank well below Carly Lloyd on the cheat sheet. That's that's my connection there. Uh, it's kind of a, a Tracy Jordan-style connection, I guess, as far as them not really being connected at all. But Carly Lloyd's still better than Derek Carr, David Carr, and Lloyd Carr. Uh, Clive Walford gets in the end zone in this one, which was great. I used them in a two tight end league as the only viable option in the waiver wire. Steelers have been pretty bad at covering tight ends. That was the appeal. I don't think there was uh, anything else there from Walford all day, but that he scored made it well worth the pickup. Latavius Murray was running well. I uh, got checked out for a concussion though in this one. 17 carries, 96 yards. Maybe it's Tyler. That was a tough Jones hit time. he took too. I mean, I, I, there are a couple of outlets reporting that he was knocked out similar to yeah. Bridgewater I don't think he was I mean if you watch it he he, he never like appeared to lose movement by any no. means I, I'm not in a position to judge that but yeah he took a hard hit ended up fumbling on the play and was down for a while he he was like uh, kind of hunched over on his knees like for a while and I, I almost wondered if um yeah if he'd like somehow he didn't get hit in the in the stomach by a second player or anything though he, no it he, wasn't he reacted like, like he'd lost his breath though that, that was really weird but he had, got hit directly in the head yeah um michael crabtree continues his resurgence two tds in this one seven for 108 amari cooper uh, continuing his ascent to stardom i mean this is a this is a really good raiders team and i i thought as a retread coach that jack del rio was a bad choice but they seem to have some things figured out right now in oakland so this losing to the steelers on the road by threes, it's actually like a pretty good loss, pretty good performance overall, and they had a chance to win this game. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I listened to the to ESPN radio. While I was I was I was doing some things later last night, and there's a lot of Raiders talk. Uh, they, it's you know the national NFL show or whatever it was. A lot of Raiders talk, and if you would, if you had just heard the show and heard all the people calling in, you would have thought the Raiders beat the Steelers by like forty. You know, with how optimistic everybody was. So I, I think there is a lot of optimism for good reason. Uh, with this Raiders team and I mean they were down 35-21 at one point in this game like basically at the start of the fourth quarter and you know it kind of looked like they were going to lay down but they come right back and end up tying up the game and you know obviously didn't end the way that they that they had hoped but still uh, if there is such thing as a bad loss uh, I think this maybe is it a couple suspensions we should probably uh touch on real quick as I'm scanning Twitter these both came through within the last few minutes Akib Talib suspended one game for for an eye poke yeah last night yeah, real great. And uh, Stedman Bailey, uh, maybe a little bit less concern uh, as far as his impact for the Rams. Four games for substance abuse. Oh, okay. That's all it's, uh, that's, per, that's per Adam Schefter, and he's not going to appeal. So it sounds like he doesn't have much of a— <laughs> Doesn't have much of a case. <laughs> yeah, he got me, guys. Or he's represented by the same people that represent Josh Gordon. And they're like, no, nah, dude, just take the suspension. <laughs> yeah, it's, this it's is the right it. way to go. Right. Um, so, yeah, interesting news there. Giants 32, Buccaneers 18. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Giants— give up 52 points and lose in new orleans last week and then they come back and 
and beat what's in my opinion not that bad of a Tampa Bay team. Yeah, Tampa's at least tolerable, uh, I think, offensively because of Mike Evans. They right. they can put up points. Evans had eight catches for 152 yards on 19 targets, which is to me that's just proof that Jameis is bad. Like I, if if Jameis were average, you'd be talking 12 for 200, 13 for 220. Jameis is. Jameis has not been great by any means, that's for sure. But he, has, he, has, he, has he hasn't horrible. turned it over in, a lot, in his last four games, right? And, and that's, that's that's probably as much as you can ask right. for a rookie quarterback to do. To, yeah, well, to be honest, like I I I just I I don't want him to be good, but like, right. I'm annoyed that I want it him to takes be good. 19 targets for Mike Evans to catch eight balls. Like that to me just doesn't seem yeah, good enough. Like that's he did have like didn't he have like eight drops in this game? Yeah, I, I think the, he set the record for most drops in a game. So that that's not on James. That's the case. This is this was one that the way the TVs were set up at the at the yard house, I could barely see this game. I saw a lot more of that. The, must have been really tough to crane your neck to see James versus Eli. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. It was like I had to like turn and like look up. It's almost it just, like they did that by design. <laughs> it was for, it was for my own good, just for my own safety. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Beckham played well in this one. Nine for one hundred five, seventeen targets. What if he played with a good quarterback? I yeah, mean, right. Eli's just. Very average. I mean, I think a great quarterback would make Beckham. You think? Uh, you think the Giants would do Lacey straight up? For yeah, well, I'm sure they would. <laughs> they would love to add a fifth running back to the to the, to yeah. the fold. Uh, Ruben Randall scored. Shane Vereen scored on a reception in this one. I mean, their running back situation. It is still a, a four headed monster. Rashad is. Jennings. Uh, is Orleans Darkwa still doing things? He he was involved. I oh yeah. I mean, just pick. Pick two. Like uh, clearly, they like Vereen as a pass catcher. I, I don't know why they don't like him that much as a runner. But Rashad Jennings had 13 carries for 48 yards. Andre Williams seven for 30. Orleans Darkwa six for 23. And Shane Vereen six for 14. I, I think there is something to be said for running backs and the difficulty of getting into a rhythm when you're not getting steady carries. Like that does seem to be legitimately difficult. Like, I, I just I don't understand what their goal is here. Um, I, I feel. The same way about their backfield as I do about that Coleman Hell song that is just everywhere. Like I, I hate that song. It's just the absolute worst. It's worse than Hotline Bling. Wait, what song? It's Coleman Hell's song. I think it's called Monster or Two Headed Monster or I don't uh, know Monster with Two Heads. I, I forget what it's called. I hate that song. It's it's the I, I'm it's not the, familiar. Thankfully. It's it's I think it's a it's a top forty like pop song now that started off in the the alt rock realm. And as soon as I heard it. On like Alt Nation on Sirius, I'm like, this is this is going to be awful. This is going to be played at the mall for six months. And I mean, I don't go to the mall, but I just I feel for people who do because that song is terrible. <laughs> you just don't go to malls. Is that been like would, a lifelong would, thing? Uh, lifelong, no. But I just mean like, what what do I need there? What what, what is there that I need? Cl- I don't know clothing. That's kind of the main thing, I guess. I can go, there, I can go to Costco like, and buy clothes. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm a scrub. Like I don't need, I don't need to go to the mall. Well, fair enough. Blaine Gabbert, 17, Falcons, 16, in what was one of the more surprising results of this week. I, I can't believe this. I mean, this is just, this can't happen. If you're Atlanta, you can't let this happen. This is a new. This is like a franchise low. This is a franchise that has had some lows in the past, and this is the lowest that they've ever been. Yeah. Um, I, the Falcons' first quarter of the season versus their second quarter of the season, night and day difference. I mean, Julio did Julio things, so that's good. Roddy White is officially toast. If he wasn't dead already, he's he's in ghost mode yep. now. Uh, Jacob Tammy heavily targeted again. Ten targets, six catches, 61 yards. 
Devontae Freeman didn't do much in this one on the ground. 12 carries for 12 yards, but caught eight balls for 67 yards and a score. So he had a decent day overall. So he 12 carries, it. 12 yards. That's Ivory-esque, Ugh. but without the heavy volume that Ivory yeah, had. Right? San Francisco's backfield, which we, we had no idea what they were going to do going into the week. Sean Drone got 16 carries for 58 yards. Kendall Gaskin's owners got seven for 20. He was a big waiver wire pickup in some leagues. If you missed out on D'Angelo Williams or if he was already owned, you missed out on Jeremy Langford. Uh, Kendall Gaskin's might have been your consolation prize. And, and they're looking at Sean Drone's that 1658, and they think, that could have been me. I could have, I could have, had, I could have picked up Sean Drone. I could have had Sean Drone instead. Like, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd feel really good about that. Uh, no, this game was awful. I Atlanta, add Atlanta to the group of uh, like the Saints and Giants, the, the handful of teams that you look at, and you're like, what are you week to week? I, I really I really don't know like what to make of them at this point. No, me neither. I, I <laughs> We referenced the Levitard show earlier, and they, that was on in the office, I think, before you came in, Derek. But they, uh, they played back a, a clip from a few weeks ago of Stu Gatz. Uh, going off about how he thought Atlanta was going to go undefeated and you know they were the best offense in the league and now things have drastically changed and I don't really know what it is for this team like two weeks in a row they've like they haven't killed themselves but they just they just can't seem to finish off drives when you look at Matt Ryan's line 30 for 45 303 yards didn't throw any picks had just one touchdown is like it just doesn't add up that they're losing and not able to put up points against bad teams like San Francisco. Julio Jones, 10 catches, 137 yards. Big day for him. Devontae Freeman, like you said, uh, had a decent day out of the backfield as a receiver with a touchdown. They didn't lose any fumbles. They just can't finish off drives and and get those key plays when they need them right now. Question for you, uh, not about the Falcons, but about Stugatz. Do you like Stugatz as much as you enjoy the contributions of Levitard's dad on the Levitard TV show? You know, I actually didn't really watch either of these shows until the last couple of weeks. You know, I think with the the Cowherd move to FS or Fox Sports or Fox Sports One or whatever it is. Thank you for that move, by the way. You don't like Cowherd? Oh man, I'm so glad that I don't accidentally hear anything that guy says. I don't know. I mean, I think. I mean, we have we get a little bit of a taste of what it's like to do what they do a little bit, you know, not even close to the level or the scale or the following, you know, doing podcasts. Like I have, I do have respect for people who can talk for four hours straight you know, with just themselves, you know, bring on an occasional guest like that is really, really hard. And and obviously he says a lot of things that upset a lot of people, but you know, I don't know. I don't don't know. I have a hard time like bashing guys who I think do a pretty good job of at least, you know, sounding competent most of the time. I respect the difficulty, as you suggested, of hosting a solo show for that long. That's That's tough. That's actually really hard. Really, really hard. But I think it takes a certain level of narcissism that few people have. Jim Rome. Oh my! Rome, Loved, I love Jim Rome, though. Rome's Rome is funny, uh, yeah, and, and not hilarious. He's not funny for the things he tries to be funny for. He's funny by accident, and yeah. with Cowherd, well, sometimes Rome's intentionally. Funny. I think he's. Sometimes. I think he knows what he's doing. Most of the time, I feel like he's accidentally funny. With Cowherd, I just I don't really agree with his assessment of many things. I don't think his delivery is great, but it has to be that way if you're solo. He's just not the person I want to listen to. So I, clearly, there's popularity and there's yeah. interest there because he's been very successful. Right. So you got to give the guy credit for that. But I'm glad I don't accidentally steer into Colin Cowherd content anymore. Whereas previously, you know, when he was part of the mothership, you'd find him on TV. You'd find him on your local sports talk radio channels. You'd find him on various TV shows. It's great that he's off of ESPN for the simple fact that I don't accidentally consume his product anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, maybe that speaks to how little we, we tune into Fox Sports here in the office. But yeah, well, I th- back to your original question, like I only started watching these shows because Levitard's show kind of took that slot. Now it's, a, I don't think, I don't know if it was like always simulcast, you know, his his morning radio show, but now it is on ESPN. So we get to watch it every day. And yeah, I like Stu Gods. I like, I like both those guys. I'd, obviously his dad brings a dynamic that really no one else has on any other network, you know, uh, just kind of the, I mean, there, there are certainly off the wall characters, uh, but most of them aren't as lovable, I think, as he is. Yeah. Know? Like his dad, his dad makes me laugh. Right. Multiple times. And they show. bring on, I mean, they bring on cool rappers. They've had action Bronson on there before. I thought that was cool. Like not other, not many shows are willing to do a lot of that. So yeah, praise goes to, to the Dan Levitard show. Uh, on the Rotowire football podcast, yeah, like, yeah, they're not gonna ever know that we. Yeah, I'm sure. We, I'm we sure they'll return them. the favor on the show anytime now. Yeah, I mean, like, I, like I said, highly. Like, the summary for me is it highly questionable. Like, it, some people probably hate it. They think it's annoying. They got. The, I, mean, I can see that the little the, kind of the mariachi sounding riffs that they play throughout the show. Like, yep. it's at least unique. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that about it. It's a it's a different way to approach a show. It kind of kind of the way Sports Nation when it first came out. Was unique. I like that originally. Sports Station's great. Like, I, I think that's an underrated show. I really like that show. I don't watch it as much now, but when it first came out, I liked it for being yeah. different. I, I like when when ESPN does something different. It's usually good. Like they, they around have, the horn. I mean that that's been on that, over fifteen years. That, yeah, that was on. I think either was when I was finishing high I think school it was like or 2000, when I started 2001, college. Two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah, and, and that that format. Like some people don't like four sports writers just yelling, but it's. It's just different. It's a little bit unique. Well, it's and like, I, would you rather watch that or like the sports reporters with John Saunders and Mitch Albom's hair and Mitch Albom's hair? <laughs> you know, that's the, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, again, like I, I think that people. Uh, it's easy to be critical of ESPN for a variety of reasons, and many times it's very well deserved. But I do think when they do things that are interesting or unique or good, we should be willing to praise them if we're going to be so quick to criticize them for things we don't like. That's yeah. all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sums it up pretty well. All right, two more games. We'll, we'll buzz through these pretty quickly. Colts 27, Broncos 24. Ronnie Hillman, not a great game. Uh, still kind of trying to decide who's the better option between him and C.J. Anderson. Broncos fell behind in this one big early. I think it was 17-0, to right? Um, and, yeah, obviously they climbed back into it and, and had a chance. It looked like at the end Peyton Manning threw a pretty bad uh, interception at the end that kind of doomed them there. But still, I mean, coming off of, a, of that big win over Green Bay, maybe a little bit of a hangover for Denver. They're still obviously in in perfect control of the AFC West. Um, but I mean, what were your takeaways from this game? This was the game in which I think I was being hit on by uh, the much older woman that we discussed. Oh, earlier. right. So you weren't maybe able to, to maybe, maybe was, or I, I mean, I was just being distracted by photos of Jim in Nebraska or right. I was becoming Jim in Nebraska. I don't really know. Like, again, like I, I couldn't read the situation. I was tired. I didn't care. I just, I just wanted to go home and uh, I was watching this game intermittently. And it's just like, how did the Colts beat the Broncos? I know the game wasn't in Denver, but how did this happen? The Colts to me are these dysfunctional clowns that, somehow are in first place in their division with a losing record, which, I mean, that's that's the nature of the, the AFC South right now. I still think Jacksonville is the most talented team in the division. Uh, but why can't they run the ball against the Colts? I know the game flow was, was poor, but there was enough time where they could have stuck with the run, potentially, and, and been okay. Mm-hmm. Hillman's value just fell considerably. Anderson was better on a per-carry basis. Peyton didn't really get revenge in this one. They lost. I hate those narratives anyway, but... Emmanuel Sanders had a long catch that bailed him out again from having a pretty mediocre day. It ended up being a passable game for Peyton Manning. And then Owen Daniels finally shows up after 
several weeks of disappointing people as like a waiver pickup to slot in at tight end. He goes six for 102 and a score on nine targets. I, I doubt that happens again. Uh, I saw reports earlier in the day that TY maybe wasn't going to play. He caught five balls for 82 yards. Griff Whalen comes out and has a better game than Dante Moncrief, which just makes me so angry. Because, yeah, doing, doing the Whalen name proud. I'd love to see that. I mean, I think with Moncrief, tough matchup, as we saw with the Packers receivers, you go up against those Denver corners. Um, it, it's just, it's it's tough. Like, they they play a good defense, and, and their secondary maybe is the best in the league. T.Y., though, the 5 for 82, it, he, he continues to interest me because I think when we look at him in what should be difficult matchups, he finds a way to still have at least a decent, if not a good game anyway. I don't know if it's that, that combination of skills, that smaller receiver with that top-end speed. Kind of reminds me of a, a little bit of a poor man's Antonio Brown, and really not too much poorer than Antonio Brown. Right, right. I mean, like, slightly different skill set, but a guy right. that largely doesn't have these horrible games simply because he's up against a tough pair of corners. Yep. So I, I'm always kind of intrigued by that. Maybe that makes him a little more valuable in season long because week to week even though the production can fluctuate given the way he plays he's just a little bit less matchup dependent than some of the receivers ranked around him i think that that's the that's the real takeaway there frank gore got plenty of work with the colts opening up a big lead ahmad bradshaw got in the end zone in this one i feel like he's got to be some kind of distant relative to steve smith though like they have like the same disposition a little bit i mean steve smith is a maybe is steve smith a hall of fame receiver i think he should be i think he might belong in the hall of fame bradshaw's not that caliber player obviously at running back but i just think he's one of those guys that he's undersized for his position but he's extremely tough Ah, he just always kind of exceeds expectations and i know the the volume wasn't there in this game but he's always one of those players that you kind of want to have on on your depth chart you want to have him on your team just to get him a few touches because he can make something out of nothing you can use him even in a short yardage situation and it seems like he's got a chance to get the job done and he's got a pretty broad skill set he can catch passes he's got some speed like i I just like this guy yeah yeah absolutely I, i agree on all fronts there let's move now to the final game of the night, the Sunday night game. We, you know, we already kind of talked about this one a little bit as far as the end result. Eagles 33, Cowboys 27. Uh, a pretty crushing loss for a Cowboys team that I thought played pretty well, um, you know, considering the circumstances. Murray and Matthews both score for Philadelphia. 161 yards for scrimmage, uh, from scrimmage, I should say, for DeMarco Murray. 67 for Matthews. They continue to be a productive duo. Um, I assume you saw Des Bryant's catch in this one. I haven't seen Quite anything from this game, oh, you actually. Uh, this, this, this one was happening like while we were going to the airport okay. and while we were flying, so I, I, it's a blind spot for me. I mean, it looks like it was a great game. It looks like Sam Bradford actually played pretty well, and it looks like Jordan Matthews' owners are finally feeling good, so they probably improved right. to 3-6 and six on the season because he's been <laughs> pretty bad. And, and a few, he was so good those first couple of weeks, just eating up targets. And yeah, I had, after a few down weeks in a row, he was finally back, but... Yeah, Des made a catch in the kind of a, a jump ball from Matt Castle, basically in the back of the end zone, and and he kind of just it was like a pig pile essentially as it came down. I mean, there were like four or five defenders and and other Cowboys in the area, and it was incredible to, when they showed it in slow motion. Des was a good like seven or eight inches like above everyone else. I mean, that guy is just a complete freak. He's an amazing talent, and I, I wish he wasn't a complete clown or a borderline i think he's a complete clown like he's a borderline complete clown i think he he gets that reputation and rightfully so maybe but he hasn't really done anything since he's coming to the nfl like there's that rumor or like that horrible video that was supposed to surface all summer yeah, and like never that, happened like that situation like i think he was more of a i think he's somehow become less of a head case in the nfl 
Maybe I think I, he peaked I, in like like junior year at Oklahoma State. He was like peak peak Des Headcase. But I but I would never I would never I would never write off the Cowboys as a team that would do horrible things in order to cover up the horrible things of, of the players either. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like maybe like, I don't know if you want to make that assumption. If, if there's any organization in in the league that would find a tape like that if it existed and like destroy it and pay off anybody involved who would have had copies or access to it. They would have done it, right? Like I, that, that to me is just like oh, their yeah. nature. But I, I tend to think that something like that would have made its way out eventually, right? Like if that existed, we somebody would have somebody would have leaked point. it. So regardless, this this is a guy that on the field is crazy good, and just to see him healthy again gives the Cowboys a dimension of that offense they were sorely missing. They're going to get Romo back in a few weeks. What's with Cole Beasley in this one? Nine for one twelve. He's, he's the best of all time for a reason. Yeah, man, got uh, on the board early in this one. Is he, yeah, is he, he still uh, rocking the the Lorax look, kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I think he is. Unfortunately, I, I believe I believe he is. Um, yeah, he was he was a guy that whenever the Cowboys play on national TV, the the Cole Beasley jokes just like flow on Twitter. That's a good thing. It's one of Twitter's strengths, I think, uh, at right. least when it comes to the Cowboys. Darren McFadden, 27 carries, 117 yards, uh, top eight running back, top six. I mean, it, this it, is the guy that we've seen year after year when healthy. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost sounds cliche at this point to talk about Darren McFadden and his health, but like nobody should be like super shocked by this, right? I mean, it, and he is so, he's just far enough into his career now where we have, we've seen enough of a sample size of him always being injured that it is surprising when he, when he has a game like this. But I mean, the talent has always been there. And yep. when he's healthy, I mean, running behind probably the best offensive line he's ever had by a good margin, this shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. I mean, he's kind of split the difference of what he was in 2010 and 2011 per carry, over five yards a carry in those seasons, and what he did the last three years in Oakland, floating between 3.3 and 3.4 yards per carry, sitting at 4.1 on the year. Still, it looks like he has what one carry of 20 or more yards. I don't know if those numbers get updated on Monday or Tuesday uh, on Rotowire, but he... <laughs> I I would try to like move, I'd move him right now unless you're really hurting at running back because even though the Cowboys should be able to open up holes and they're not giving him a lot of competition the lack of durability throughout his career it's soft tissue injuries right like it's not guys hit him in the wrist and break his wrist or the the kind of things that are just going to happen in the NFL his seemed to be like the more lingering type of injury that I, I worry about in all sports but especially for a, for a player uh, that's had this happen year over year. I mean, he played 16 games last year and was just awful. Played all eight so far this year, so we'll see if that continues. But I would try to pedal Darren McFadden. If you're getting top 10 RB value in return, probably not going to get a challenge trade where you flip in front of the running back, but let's just say you're looking for a receiver. You know, you had McFadden stashed away. You picked him up on the waiver wire. He's an extra back for you. I would try to move him as soon as you could just to avoid the injury risk down the stretch. All right, Monday night game. Bears are at the Chargers. San Diego, 2-6. and six. Chicago, 2-5. and five. Chargers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Who wins this one? I think it's the Chargers. I, I think so, too. They don't have much of a home field advantage, but at, at the same time, I think they're just a better team than the Bears. No uh, Keenan Allen, though. I know there's. it seems like there are a ton of fantasy matchups, and I have two, two of them uh, on my end that are going to come down to Keenan or um, Antonio Gates um and who, who am i jeremy langford i think langford who am i thinking of the other receiver i can oh gates and malcolm floyd malcolm floyd yeah malcolm floyd. those two guys Stevie johnson guys. Like, yeah those guys are gonna you know because i mean floyd was kind of a big a big waiver guy this week with keenan allen going down and you know people scrambling to get him so i think i think there are a lot of fantasy implications maybe more so than your average uh monday night game yeah and marquis wilson even for some people in deeper leagues yep. i think which if you're hoping to get like more than 50 yards from him um uh, 
you know, break out whatever good luck charms you have because I I think with Alshon Jeffrey healthy, you got Bennett out there as a competent tight end. I mean, Marcus Wilson's no higher than third in the pecking order. The, the question is, does Jeremy Langford get the Matt Forte volume treatment as a pass catcher? If he does, I don't think so. He's I think really I think interesting. Maybe I mean I guess we have, Matt Forte really hasn't been hurt for an extended period of time. Like we haven't really seen. Um, you know what that offense looks like without him and you know they've been so banged up otherwise I just I think maybe people underrate Matt Forte in that respect like it's part of the offense certainly to get him the ball in those situations but I think he's just so good at running in space and making cuts that it's, it's going to be hard to replicate so Langford last last thought of the pod before we sign off it's been a long pod because of my terrible story from the beginning of the pod but <laughs> Jeremy Langford I mean he played behind Le'Veon Bell at Michigan State so yep. he's playing behind an NFL star in college which yep. explains a light workload there comes up as a junior and senior gets almost 3,000 yards over two seasons with 40 touchdowns I and mean, that's impressive uh, ran a 4-4-2-40 at the scouting combine fell to the fourth round because all the running backs you know fell a bit this is a really intriguing player I mean if you play behind someone as good as Le'Veon Bell that's not a mark against you as a player and to produce 1500 yards on average over two seasons on the ground i know it's the big 10 people criticize the quality of the defenses and rightfully so that's still an extremely productive player with that 442 right. speed and a guy who played in a pro style offense i think that's big as far as adjustment yeah. he he might be legitimately good like i i i'm kind of intrigued to watch him tonight yeah i think so too i mean it's also a guy who's pretty much come in and ripped the second running back role away from kadeem carey like immediately and maybe that's Maybe that says something more about Kadeem Carey than than it does Langford. But either way, I mean, it, I, I think they took him at, at where they did for a reason. And I think they got what probably might end up looking like a bargain. Yeah. So I, I'm that that's top of my list as far as what I want to see. And I just want to see how the Chargers distribute those targets without Keenan Allen because mm-hmm. he, Keenan Allen became a target monster this year. I mean, he was among the league leaders uh, when he went down. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this game. We got a new episode of Fargo tonight, hour and a half long. So that's going to be. It's going to be cutting into my football time a little bit, but uh, big TV night. Mondays are always fun. Yeah, I, I got to catch up on some BoJack Horseman, so we'll, we'll get that in. What is that? It's an animated show on, on Netflix. Huh. Have you seen Aziz Ansari's new show? No, what's it, what's it called? Um, Master of None. I heard a lot about it. I think late last week it launched on Netflix. It's one of those original series. Um, and, yeah, it's it, it's interesting, that's for sure. It's it's something i don't know i liked it a lot i think it was very funny but it wasn't quite what i expected I, w- I was expecting kind of more of like a parks and rec type of thing and it was more of a you ever watched girls on hbo i have not i've only seen a few episodes of that so i'm by no means qualified probably to make this comparison but it kind of reminded me of that like not not a show that you're like laughing out loud at and it you know kind of had some some interesting editing decisions as far as how it flows and stuff but it, i mean it was good overall if, if you're looking for tv recommendations at the end of a football podcast uh, I would say to, to to check out Master of None on Netflix. Look, but, uh, I I made everyone go away with the Jim in Nebraska story. Like we got a bunch of one star reviews because of that. <laughs> that. That story was garbage. My apologies. Have you, has this been like stewing the whole podcast? You just kind of like regretted telling it. Yeah, because there was nothing interesting about my role in it. Like this no. drunk lady was hitting on me. I think. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, it happens. To the, it happens to the best of us. Probably one of those stories that, like, in the moment. 
if you're like you're there with the people that it happened is probably very funny. Yeah, right. Tougher and to convey across the podcast. Yeah, maybe. and as soon as you retell it, you're like, nobody listening to this is going to be intrigued. By this <laughs> well, story. at least mid story, I think you threw in a. If you don't want to hear this, fast forward. So they'll, they'll at least the people were warned. They were warned. Yeah, they were warned. The All story right. wasn't that good. Final note before we sign off, I just saw a tweet that said a Giants fan was arrested trying to burn a huge flag at Buccaneers headquarters in Tampa after the game. What so, kind of flag? Uh, I'm assuming it was a. Like a Buccaneers flag? I think it was a Buccaneers flag, yeah. The it, guy, the mugshot, the guy looks like, I don't even know if he's awake. I don't think he is. Ah. Alcohol well, may have been a factor. Don't burn any flags. Don't burn any flags. Just don't do it. You know who doesn't burn flags? DraftKings.com. They are our sponsor for, for this podcast. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. Also, of course, be sure to check out our site, rotowire.com, and get 10 days free by going to rotowire.com slash pod.